Hello, and welcome to another episode of Think Small, Do Big. Today, I'm here with a good buddy of mine, Bobby White. How are you? I'm good. So, I wanted to bring him in, have a conversation, record it, and go over some stuff. So, Bobby, tell people what you do, who you are, and what's your story. Tell us, man. So, um, I got into real estate probably... I don't know. Are we talking about just real estate? Or of just course. We're going with real estate. That's right. what people want so, to hear. They don't care about your life story. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, this guy also plays a lot of hockey. If you want to play a hockey game, call him. Yeah. You find me at Johnny's Ice House, you know, between 10 and midnight. Never been? Never been? Where is that? It's uh, Madison and, like, Ashland. Are you, like, on, a, like, a team? Or There's is it, like... four teams there. Wow. Talk about a hobby. Yeah. Why four teams? I don't know. So you can get play good more? exercise, yeah. Do you play every day? No, Almost? Maybe like three times a week. Yeah, so I remember uh, last time I was like around you, we used to like see each other at the gym, which I don't go to anymore. Saw that. I go to uh, Equinox. Go Equinox. Hopefully I get a free episode, uh, like membership one day. But you were training for Iron Man. Yep. Did you do it? Did it. Finished it? I think it took me like 13 hours to do it. What? Yeah. Dude, my, my, my only thinking is I'm the type of person that's never even done a marathon and I need to do something to like validate myself. Well, that was my first marathon. What do you mean? That was my first organized race. Anything? Yeah. I so see you just went for it. We were hanging out with our friends one night and then... Uh, you signed up for so it? So someone's like, you can't do that. And so me and my buddies signed up for it and I actually followed through and went with it. But how long did you train for? Uh, like six months. So it was, we, I, th- I think it was, no, it was in May. You signed up in like, maybe like around December or something like that. Yeah. So all the training had to be done indoors at East Bank. I remember because <laughs> it, was, it was cold. Yeah, so I had to run like, I would run like 12 miles around the lap, the, the track in the top floor of East Bank. Dude, that's <laughs> for like two hours. So so let me so where was where was the race the actual race? Uh, Santa Rosa, California. And were you nervous at all? Like, were you like, were you ready the day before? Like, my only thinking is, I'm like, the only reason we'll know we'll ever get through something is if we actually go through it, right? Like, that's yeah. like one of the most like the, that's like the number one saying. Oh yeah, you don't know your limits until you get tested. But that is Iron Man. That is not something to play with. Especially what? You start off with swimming. Then you do biking. You, you, you swim, what, 2.4 miles, something like that? Then you, <laughs> <laughs> which, first of all, <laughs> is the <laughs> easiest thing. Like, once you train for that, if you ever swim in a wetsuit, it's like cheating. Why? You just float if you wanted to. Really? Yeah. You that's just float what, there in the water. That's how you feel, but you technically can't. No, can you, you can. Really? And it's salt water. No, it was a lake. Was it a lake? I thought you guys in somewhere in California. Yeah, but it's like in wine country. So they're still protected. Yeah, yeah. And it was a lake. So there's no worrisome sharks biting. No. Everything. Now that you you heard it right, like some people did do that between Cuba and like Florida. Yeah. Where they swim in between, and the the chances of sharks. <laughs> no, like, there's no nothing like that. Okay, so what was the hardest part? Like, did you have to go zen off? Like, do you have headphones? You can't wear headphones. It's not allowed. <laughs> it's not allowed. So you can't wear headphones, but you'd see people like on the bike once you got a few miles in on the bike track that you'd see people throwing headphones. I didn't do it, but yeah, I mean at that point, like 
the hardest thing by far is the bike because you're just like sitting on this bike for took me like six hours sit on this bike for six hours your neck hurts so bad when you get off this thing and along with like your ass and stuff but so it's start <laughs> off with swimming swimming then you go off to biking yeah and then you go off to running there's no running no you run a marathon and then after that you run a marathon after you bike 112 miles you run a marathon or walk it or whatever you got to do. You crawl, whatever. You just got to get to the finish line. Were you dying at one point? Oh, man. The end of the... The marathon was like three laps. And my first <clears throat> lap was like, all right. Second lap, like, okay, this is starting to hurt really bad. The third lap is like, man, you just got to like get to the end. And like, I mean, we... At the end of this thing... Like, someone handed me, like, a beer to drink. I couldn't even drink this thing. You couldn't even lift it. We ordered all, like, like my, my wife and, like, my friend who's with me. Like, they ordered, like, all this pizza I couldn't even eat. You, like, your body I was just so dead. Because your body's in shock. Yeah. Because like, it's just like, what the, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. And then the next day we had a masseuse come to the house, give us massages. Well, my thinking is, so you think it's the only reason you got through it is because you've been... You like you went for teams to play hockey and your cardio is already up. Yeah, yeah anyone can do it. You just got to put in the time and effort. I mean, if you got three hours a day to to just do cardio at the gym, you could do it. I mean, you'd see people there that were like fifty pounds overweight, hundred pounds overweight to do this stuff. I mean, it takes them like I think you have like seventeen hours to do the thing. It probably takes them like sixteen and a half hours to do it, but they do it. And do you feel anything afterwards? Like, man, I can do Iron Man. I can do anything. No. After that, I'm like, shit, I'm not doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) You probably lost a couple of weeks of your life just by doing that. The technicality of that. That's like people say, right? They say about UFC fighters, every time they go in the ring and they go like five rounds, probably just knocked out like five months out of their life just because the human body is just not supposed to go through that gruesome process. Yeah, The human body is definitely not supposed to do that. I mean, I was, like, probably, like, a one... Your heart rate's probably, like, 130 to, like, 160 for, like, the entire duration of this thing. <laughs> yeah, but did you, like, also go into no drinking beforehand no, for I mean, a while? It's too hard just, to do down here. It's Yeah, got it. Because a lot of people, then, like, the only reason they have the motivation is then they will go sober and then they're just working out. I definitely cut back a little bit, but, like, I still on the weekend did my... Did your thing. Did your thing. Okay, so let's get back to it. Um, talk about how you got into real estate because your your journey is different. Like you you got more into construction side than becoming more of an agent. And then the only reason you became an agent is because then you were like, I'd rather sell it my own product. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that mostly the case as well? Because this is not what the norm is, right? Most people get their tested. I would and say, yeah, most people probably become an agent, then get into doing some flipping and investing. I got right out of college. One of my friends from high school that did a flip. I was working full time at like Echo Logistics. Everybody did. Everybody. Everybody. Did it's right <laughs> on. If everybody's wondering, is where is it? Chicago and Kingsbury. Wasn't yeah. it their office? Six hundred West Chicago. Chicago. Groupon building. Groupon building. Yes. Okay. Cool. So he, we got into it, and, or I want to get into it. So I kind of partnered with him. We bought some house in Portage Park for, like, this is, like, 2013. So you, so bought, probably, it with, yeah. you bought it with your buddy? Did you use your, like, parents, like, fun? Yeah, like, just, just borrow friends and family money. For sure. Bought this place. 
this brick bungalow costs like eighty thousand dollars. Okay. So just think about that today. What can you get in Porter's Park for eighty grand? Absolutely nothing now. Which is which is insane. Which is literally seven years ago. Yeah. Six years, six and a half. Seven yeah, years this ago. was all MLS stuff. So, I mean, we bought. Anyways, we bought this place. We flipped. We like flipped the whole place. Did all the work ourselves. Um, took us probably like six months. Looked absolutely horrible at the end. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yes, I mean, we yeah. laid, I laid the tile yes. in this place, painted um, this place. Bro, it's like, dude, it's like, I've been there. Somebody told me to fix something mm. and I have no idea how to do it, but I did it myself to save the money and you realize, wow. That's Lots incredible. of like YouTube videos, stuff like that. Got it done. <laughs> Sold it. Probably made like... Three thousand dollars. The accounting probably wasn't even good, so we probably lost money on it. But whatever. Probably. So that, we got another one. Wait, wait. I, so how much money did you guys make off the first one? It was somewhere between like three thousand dollars and losing a couple thousand dollars. So you bought know. it for eighty. Yeah. Let's just so how much did you sell sell it sell it for? Like give or take. Because you. I want to say like one fifty. So in between, you guys spent around fifty thousand dollars. Fixing this thing? Fixing in everything as well, right? Because if you only made... At the very least. least. Yeah. And you guys didn't use an agent to sell it? No, we did. Okay, got it. So, like, I think midway through that, we thought we were, like, flippers or something, you know? Before we even sold it, we're like, oh, yeah, we know what we're doing. So we bought another house, another couple blocks away. Bigger, nicer house. Did it. Same, same drill. Didn't look great, but a GC did this one. Took forever to do it. Sure. Whatever. I think we made a little bit more money on that. It's really hard to find a good GC. Yeah. Because like, they're, they're awesome at going missing. I've never seen people just go MIA. Well, this guy had like, he was like this one like, like Italian guy or something. He had like, no disrespect to Italians here, but he had like these two Polish guys that worked for him and they did like every aspect of this job. These two guys. Yeah. And, uh... He's just, he's just the one who found the job. Yeah. And yeah. just, like, kind of boss these guys around. And For sure, yeah. Made a big deal out of everything. But, yeah, you know, got through that. Probably did a little bit better on it. I don't even remember the numbers anymore. But, you know, these two properties we sold for... After they are flipped, sold for less than, like, the worst house in Portage Park now would sell for yeah. You know, like the Got worst it. foreclosure, most biggest dump in Portage Park, you'd have to pay probably like one ninety, two hundred for now. Yeah. Like if we had just bought these houses, paid the taxes and just like, sit on them. Just didn't do anything. Sit on more them. money than if we even That's out. like a huge rule that I know some investors do is just to sit on things and just wait for it to just go up. A lot of people try to it's just like if you're going to play that long game, if you have a decade to spare, you can hold on, get it rented, and just at some point, you're just selling the value that just got changed over time. Yeah. But these neighborhoods like Portage Park, whatnot, a lot of new places don't move like that in six, seven years. Yeah. Like, so what is that? What did you see in that neighborhood that, that just that caused that change? That, that caused that change. Is it just like, is it just what? Like a lot of new employment this was there like a specific thing that happened in the neighborhood do you just think between that time everything was just moving so quickly like you know west loop gets so hot this place is going to heat up a little too like or what is it or is it just timing or is it just the blue collar 
workshop there that had the money after 2000 financial crisis the market picked up again and people want to buy again there's a lot of factors that go in like people can't just be like okay cuz people have been saying that a lot but what pilsen yeah it's still it's still struggling mm-hmm. so you can't just like it's 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 there's no secret sauce you can just not predict it enough so in that time we would go out with <clears throat> our agent who was like he was a big REO agent I don't know how we met him, probably through a listing he had, and then he was, like, our agent for a few years. So we would go out with him, like, on Saturday mornings after, like, I mean, we're, like, 22 years old. After, like, going out all Friday night, he'd pick us up at, like, 7 a.m. Yeah. We'd go look at, like, 20 houses all hungover and stuff, and um, there, there all be foreclosures. Like, as many as, like, you could, couldn't even, like, see all, like, today, there's barely any foreclosures out there. Yeah, and they're all probably overpriced. People want to overpay for them, anyways. Back then, there there were everywhere. Yeah, on every block for, you know, super cheap prices, and um, I think that all those ended up. I mean, the market definitely turned. Housing market definitely turned. All those foreclosures got picked up. People flipped them, and you know, I don't know. The housing stock went way down. Were you guys simply just buying cash, or were you yeah, guys buying it? Yeah, no, it was all cash or. I mean, technically, like, friends and family money. Sure. Investors and stuff like that. And uh, talk about, okay, now you did a couple of flips, then what? So after those, I'm trying to think about what project we did next. Then we bought, went, got our feet wet in the rental game. So okay, we now went talk out, about the rental game. We went out and we found this two fl- this brick two flat in Cicero. Yeah. So I don't know any. We don't know anything about Cicero. Okay. We buy this thing. It's yeah. Thirty thousand bucks. It needs every everything. In it, it needs everything. It needs everything. So I mean, we got that thing uh, completely done, all in. It's probably spent a hundred thousand dollars in this place. Maybe less. I don't. I don't remember the numbers. But then you know we and then we do that one. Get it rented out. We get one in Berwyn. Um, Needs a lot less work, and then we buy one at North Avenue in Austin, in Chicago. Okay. So we got all these rented out, and then it took us a while, but we found a banker who would do the cash-out refinances for him. Okay. So he's like, as long as they appraise for, um, like, 75, 75% LTV, we can give you all your cash out, and you can do it again. So for people that don't know what cash out means, if you were to purchase, let's just say, a rental property... You're sitting on it. What can you do? And what what do you mean when you say by cash out? So if you purchased a rental property in all yeah. cash, yeah, maybe even some cash, and uh, and you had some sort of loan on it, you could go back to the bank and they would get an appraisal on mm-hmm. the property. And you'd be up, be able to borrow seventy five percent of that appraised value on it. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. So our strategy was the Burr strategy. What does that stand for? Buy. Renovate, refinance, repeat. Got it. So that's, that is. So how many? So that's. Is that still allowed to do a good amount, or are there restrictions in that? No, you could do that all day. But um, you. It took us a while to find a banker to do it. We found a, like a credit union bank based out of Joliet. Uh-huh. that did this for us. So they were loaning us their own money. It was, they weren't, weren't mortgages they were selling on the secondary market. Yeah. So their guidelines were a little... A little out there. 
a little more lenient than you sure. know if you went to Chase and tried to do this. Yeah, of course. So after those three, so when you when so that so when you refinance, you have a mortgage on it. Yes. So when you have a mortgage on it, your rentals are higher than the mortgage. So you're still making money on yeah. top. So every time, like you just sit, you just get money to sit on and use it for other things. Mm-hmm. While you're refinancing it, your mortgage is going to be low, which mm-hmm. you've all set, and then you have rentals in place, and those rentals are going to be higher than your mortgage. You still get a couple extra hundred bucks in yeah. the pocket while you're moving on to your next project. Mm-hmm. So, that's how many units do you guys have now? Like thirty-five. And is that just between? Just it's all me now. That's all you now. It's all me. My partner ended up leaving the business and moving to Arizona. So that down the road, let's just say ten years from now, because all of them are like what, one hundred fifty to four hundred thousand dollars ranges or five hundred thousand. What's the that? biggest building we have is six units it's yeah. on the south side. Okay. And then you know I've got a building on Division Humble Park. It's like probably the nicest building I have, but and then all the rest are. In like Berwyn Cicero or Austin. Yeah. So it's about 35 units. Um, and yeah, we just collect cash flow. We really don't make much cash flow on top of our expenses. After we got to do turnovers for units, after... But this is a long play. It's a long play. But I don't you, care but, if we but, make but, any money on well, it. You don't need to make money on it when it's 10 years from now when they're all paid out. Or give or take or like at least... 60% of them are paid out. Now it's going to be cash on top. Like, yeah, I non-stop, mean, stop, right? So we're in 20 year mortgages on them. We're five years in. Okay, so now. 15 years from now, give or so take. So 15 years from now, if I've got 35 units that yeah. are entirely paid off. Yeah, you're making at least $45,000, a month on just. Yeah, and then minus your property taxes. Property and taxes and expenses, but you're still at least going to be in the 30s. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. For doing nothing, for sleeping. Doing nothing. But you worked up to doing that nothing, right? Because a lot of people yeah. have that idea. They're like, we live in the Airbnb world, which is current, right? So a lot of people want to do their, oh, I'm in a rental building in River North. Let me rent it out. Oh, no, Airbnb, a lot, the laws, there doesn't allow it. So a lot of kids now would want to buy a three, four unit mm-hmm. and do it themselves. So that's like a good option for them to do it as well. If they're not going into the 30 buildings or 20 buildings or purchasing it. They could probably rent out two units, mm-hmm. live in one, and Airbnb another one depending on the season. Do you see a lot of people doing that as well, clients that you work with? Yeah, people are starting to do that. Uh, we know a lot of people that are doing it in like Avondale and Logan Square now, and they're yeah. getting great Airbnb rents. You know, if you can find a building that's got like, or a house that has like a coach house on the back, yeah. it's perfect for It is Airbnb. perfect for that. So then you don't have these Airbnb people... Just coming bothering you all day all and night. Stuff because, yeah. yeah, that truly makes sense. So now you are at Ad Properties yep. currently, and what are you doing there? It's the same thing? Continuing same thing. the process? A little bit more brokerage work. On, I mean, before we were just all in on the investing stuff. But all those cheap properties to flip are really hard to find now. Yeah. So, like, I, I if I could do anything, it would just be all rentals, all day. Because those... 35 units across, like, 10 buildings or whatever it is, the amount of appreciation on those is way higher than I ever could have imagined yeah. from when we bought them. Yeah. So, I mean, if I went out and sold them all, I'd make 
bunch of money on them, but I'd rather just get them all paid off and then. You you want to be in that, like yeah, because because the market will go up. It will go up yeah. and down, but it will still eventually just go up. The neighborhoods, the price value will go up, and. One thing I've learned from anybody who's a pure investor is like there's no reason for you to sell it if you don't need to. Yeah. Like, you're gonna hold on to it. You wanna collect checks. Mm -hmm. That's but that's when you're winning. It doesn't matter. Like fifteen years from now, you're not gonna be playing four games. You're gonna be tired. You're gonna be playing maybe one. Yeah. So you're gonna be like, I wanna not work that hard. Mm -hmm. I wanna just collect checks. So if somebody who's new, who's listening to you, it's not even in real estate, how if they wanna go and start doing this thing now that what you're doing, how would you tell them to go about it? What's the, what's, what's the understanding? Knowing your rents, knowing the neighborhood, can you afford the place? Because most people are not going to have cash to purchase it, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to finance it or whatnot. Like what are the things, like wisdom that you would want to give them? Be like, okay, absolutely do, don't do that. Absolutely do this. Some properties you want to flip them because it's better for yeah. you to do that and purchase it. You don't. Not every single thing is going to be a hold. Yeah. So what are the things that you've learned in the longevity process, which you can be like, you know what, we should do that. Um, look, I would I would say first off, buy rentals. Yeah. Buy rentals. Do not fix them up the bare minimum. You know, try to get a building that has everything brand new in it. Well, like do it yourself. Build some equity into it. Yeah. And by yourself, I mean, have someone professionally do it, but don't yeah. buy a building that's already turned Don't go key. to Home Depot buy and buy the pipes and try to fix yeah, up yeah. that bathroom. Unless you know what you're doing, don't, don't do that. But if you, can, if you can find a building where you can add some value somehow to it and then rent it out and then just sit on it for as long as you can and look in areas where, you know, people are investing, but you'll know what areas clearly not to invest in when you go there. Yeah. And, you know, you could look in areas that don't have Starbucks and people walking around with Bernie's Mountain Dogs looking like, you know, looking a little rougher areas because from what I've seen, everything has appreciated. What do you think about the South Side? Man, I know a lot of people doing stuff on the South Side. Yeah, so they're making a lot of money. So have I. I heard, listen, it's not the flashiest, right? Yeah. In real estate, it's not supposed to be flashy, but... We see a lot of buildings being bought and sold. Um, a lot of stuff's been going on. Of course, you're going to have to deal with a lot more bullshit in life, but that's just that comes with the nature. But what do you what do you feel like? Do you feel like you're going to be making a mark in there too, or are you going to be like mostly... I, right now, there's no deals anywhere to be found. Maybe that's just my mindset because I know what we paid for these buildings. I know what things costed like a few years ago. Yeah. And I see the prices for them now and like... Where's it going to go? Is the price going to keep going up? Yeah. Or is it going to go back down to where it was? Where, where you, no one knows. Yeah, that's the thing. So, but like, back down like South Shore and stuff like that, you used to be able to find like 25, 32 unit courtyard buildings for like $100,000. Yeah. But I mean, they needed everything, but... Now they're know, asking now, for 400, 500, easy. More than that. These buildings are selling for multiple millions of dollars now. This is, this is, this is also happening... That I see a lot of emails from our buddy Aaron Sklar. That's uh, I was gonna say that uh, Kaiser <laughs> Group. So they were there at the right time at the right marketplace because they just started crushing it. Yeah. So those are the exact buildings I'm talking about. Yeah. But and do you think? Fact, but do you think they're also the cause for making it go higher by doing such a good job of selling it for the people? 
So they're also like, there's also like a recurrent effect too. Yeah. If they weren't doing that good of a job, the market over there won't be doing So now they're just... But do you know what I... But I feel like something else happened. Opportunity Zone came in to certain of those neighborhoods and they purchased it for a premium to change everything as well. So there's a lot of factors that comes into play, but do you want to purchase like... A 50-unit building at some point? Like. So when you go up, so the two to four flats, cash flow, your net-net cash flow per unit is going to be higher than those massive courtyard buildings. Yeah. Just you have different, you get higher rents in those buildings because so they usually have bigger units. Um, different types of people will live in the two to four unit buildings, like mm-hmm. the residential walk-ups compared to like the massive. The yeah. like 10, 10 units per floor. Mostly one bedrooms yeah. or something like and that. Then right? like, and then you, you get one of those big buildings. If you don't know what you're doing, your management's not perfect. Like You could get some bad people in there. And it will ruin they, everything. They could take that whole building over. Like you could. Then you get, because you can't kick them out. It's hard to kick them out. I mean, we've evicted people. It's ugly. How, what's the process like? Let's just put it this way. Usually, you can give me a notice for eviction. Yeah. But I, I don't have to leave for a while, though. No, you don't. They're tenant laws. So, yeah. So, we give you five-day notice, or 15-day notice, or 30-day notice to collect any past day or past due rent. If you don't pay, if you don't pay this rent, then we can file this eviction. Yeah. Then, if we, if we have a professional tenant in there, they probably know what they're doing. So, they're going to milk this thing for six to eight months. They're going to... You have to serve this person in person... Um, and if you can't do it, you have to hire, you know, a process server, a guy dresses up in a disguise or whatever, and, like, finds you and then, like, does your serve. You've been served. <laughs> yeah. It's the funniest thing every time in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then you got to get them in front of a judge, and then the judge has got to rule whether, you know, whatever amount of time they got to leave in. And then, um, you know, this, that's, like, six months down the road. I don't know anyone that can do it any faster. And then that date that you got you don't know when the sheriff's going to come to do the actual eviction. You have to just kept, keep checking the sheriff's website and seeing if your number's on there. And then when it pops up, they roll up like five cars deep, knock on the door, slap a big sticker on there, says eviction. During Take the you process- outside, they grab whatever you can, and then you got to set all their crap out on the front lawn. Do you um, have to... So if I was living and you gave me like, hey, you got to leave, 15-day notice, 30-day notice, then I just say, screw it. Now I'm, all, like, I'm not going to pay you for six months. You still can't kick me out until the sheriff comes in, right? Exactly. So that's the thing. So like, then am I supposed to pay you? No. Then once the sheriff kicks you out, you're not going to pay me anything. Exactly, right? <laughs> so a lot of professional ones, that's what you have to make sure that you don't have anybody that has evictions and everything in their background. That's huge. That's better than credit. Like, if somebody has bad credit and they always pay on certain things, if somebody's got evicted, it's going to be like, hey, uh, homie, you should come. The way Cook County's going now, they'll probably say you can't discriminate against evictions. Well, <laughs> that, but that's the thing. But if you have five applications, you can pick with So how can Cook County say that I have to pick him? No, you can't. But, but you saw how they now just pass that thing where you can't discriminate against criminal background for rentals. Which I, which I heard about that as well. 
Yeah. Is that something? So I'm just saying, if five people were to give me an application, I still can choose whoever I want. So like, how can they say? So how does it work? Like, sometimes the landlord could say no. So how am I discriminating? I'm just saying no. Like I'm not. I'm, like so, how does it work? So where's the line between? Well, back when I was doing it, we would have them go to this, like, tenant application website called My Smart Move. Yeah. They pay like thirty dollars. If they couldn't manage to pay the thirty dollars with like a credit card and like fill out this application, they're gone. A lot of times we'd be like, "Oh, can we just do it in paper and in person?" I'm like, "No, you got to do it online. You put your email address. If they can't manage to do that, they're out." So you go on there, does a criminal background check, eviction check, and employment credit. credit and all yeah, that. Yeah, credit and all that. And it sends it to you, and then you read it. And you know where my units are at. Most of the people don't have good credit. They a lot of them have bankruptcies, um, stuff like that. So you have to work with them. But you know, I, 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 I mainly just want to check the criminal report to see if they have any like violent crimes or anything like that. And the eviction. If they have an eviction, there's no <clears> chance. Um, but, if there are a couple of evictions, then you definitely have no yeah, chance. Then there's no way. But, but now you can't get you can't get the criminal background report. Oh, I don't know if you can. So a management company does all my stuff now. So I haven't done yeah, that. So you have a third party that does that. Yeah. So I, I'm not really sure how they're doing that, but because that law was just passed recently. Got it. So, you know, if you could if you could manage to do like like a walkthrough of their current residence yeah. before you let them move in, like, that would be huge. Or, like, look at their car. See how they take care of their car or, like, what they're... It, not necessarily what they're driving in, but, like, look inside it. I have a good buddy of mine, and he was just like, you know what, dude, like, if I want to buy a house, I want to, like, at least, like, spend a night there and see what, <laughs> I'm, like, like, see what I'm getting myself into. Like, he's like, like they, you can bet me, like, you can stay in my house for all I care, but... <laughs> He's like, I don't, sometimes you don't know, like, how you would like the place at nighttime if there's a dog barking or there's, like, stuff happening all the time. This, And I was like, yeah, but most people just won't let you just come stay at their house. He's like, well, but, like, that's just how it should be, whatnot. And it got me thinking for a while, too. I'm like, you're buying something for a million dollars, let's just say. You want to just test it out for one night. You ha- You should have the right to do it. Of course, there should be some payment and whatnot, but what happens if you just don't want to leave? <laughs> it's like test driving a car. Exactly. <laughs> at least, at least you can get to drive it, and you can even have it for a day. But it's just like different rules. It's just like one. I've heard Airbnb scary stories where some people just moved in because some people don't even just room, move like have Airbnbs for apartments. They have Airbnb for just rooms, which for me, I'll I'll be very scared to do. Like if if you're in a different country and it's like, hey. Julio is gonna be your roommate. Like, what? like, like I don't like. I don't want to like. You know what I mean, right? It's just yeah. like this is like I'm scared at nighttime. Anybody sleeping, you want to be safe. That's why you lock your doors at night. So, those, those units have to have like deadbolts on the bedrooms or something. It has to have something. Like, there's no way you just. Let at some least guy. when you go to a hostel, like you go through an entrance, they have your passports. Like you go in, it's very secured. At least, but this stuff, I don't know, man. Like I've heard some scary stories, whatnot. But I once heard that this one girl did it for, like, her apartment, and they were just living in it for, like, a couple months. They just didn't leave. They just wouldn't leave. Like, there's no rule that could say any, anything else. That's a professional tenant. That's a professional tenant, so there's term for that. That's a term. 
That's a term. That's a term. That's a professional. <laughs> Write that down. Write that down, kids. <laughs> Write that down and always remember, if somebody comes in and says, don't say you're a professional tenant. Change mm-hmm. it up. Be like, I'm an intellectual tenant. Mm-hmm. But um, So now you're getting more into representing buyers and sellers and getting more involved in the real estate. So mm-hmm. like, how are you... Uh, how are you getting your clients? What's your what's your game plan? Besides hockey and all these boys, that hockey has turned me some clients. Is it? Oh yeah. That's that's the move because this, this is what I tell people. When you go out looking at a bar for a girl, you're never gonna find her. Like you just randomly run into her in places that you least expect that you actually are good at, right? That's just like a terminology. Yeah. Just like that for clients or anything, I'm not going out there. Of course, we're networking for a while. They know what you do, and you constantly want to be in front of them. But, okay, so hockey, like, because they know that you're in real estate. So yeah. automatically, then they'll check in on you, like, up your work, so you have all that stuff. Because, like, every time I see your Instagram, it's either hockey, it's chugging a beer, or it's, <laughs> <laughs> or, or it's, or it's real estate, just walking through something. So yeah. we all know what you're about. Yeah. If I want to grab a beer with somebody, it's going to be you, too. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, you got to let everyone know that you're an agent. As annoying as that is, you got to let everyone That's know. That's like number one thing. But you, I always tell people, always ask, where do you live? Like, hey, where do you live? Yeah. Like, your part. Oh, I just did a deal there. Did you? Yeah. It doesn't matter if you did or not. Like, <laughs> you just like, just did. Like, where, which building do you live in? That one. I just did sold in 36 units. Like, or just, like, just make fun of it because they need to know you're in real estate. Mm-hmm. So like, you constantly are pushing that. You're doing... Um, Places that you're meeting people, especially like sports and everything, and your, and your network and all the groups that you hang out with. What about the outside? Do you do any postcards and things now? Um, I've seen some people have some like, I feel like postcards are working again. If you have a really well put together postcard, I just saw a guy who just got a $900,000 listing by just putting it in the neighborhood and the guy wanted to sell. But my thinking is, are you focusing more online? Are you focusing more... Doing I things mean, differently. I, I just try to post as much stuff to social media as possible. Yeah. And then there's a lot of people that, you know, call me for renovation work or whatever. Yeah. They, they, a lot of people just think that I'm like some GC or something like that. That's, that, I think that's the thing too. Like Which most, makes sense, but, you know. Because so, you're always walking through construction sites. Yeah. That's I, it. I just try to meet as many people as possible and, and um, you know, network with everyone on Instagram because I see all these builders and stuff that like start following me I follow them on Instagram and then I meet up with them for coffee or stuff and, yeah builders you know, like GC yeah flippers yeah or people building like spec houses or whatever yeah. try to meet up with them go to a lot of networking events meet new investors and stuff like that yeah so I mean mostly I focus on that stuff do you think networking events are good like because I mostly don't go to that many real estate events like mm-hmm. personally like agent events but I would definitely go to uh investor events or something with developers because for me that would be working with them mm-hmm. instead of working against them in the future because if I'm a buyer representative somebody a seller representative we both want to win for our clients so like what is it it's like do you want to cater more to what's your end goal to be one of those guys that's like a developer down the road is that something that you're going towards do you mean to represent developers? A, represent developers, or B, B1, because you can do that, too, down the road. Yeah, I mean... That's the journey, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I like doing the, the agent stuff. It's, like, good supplemental income. It's, you know, 
it's fun to do. I like real estate. I like walking projects and houses and stuff. It's like fun. That. See what. See it's fun if there. you have somebody to walk with. Yeah. Like, or just go to a bunch of broker open houses and eat cookies and whatnot. But that's true too. <laughs> a lot of people do that. Yeah. So I mean, I like doing that, but I mean, the end goal is to just buy the rentals. Yeah. If we can keep doing it, if I can find any more deals that are out there. So now you sitting on enough cash to just do it yourself. Or you uh, still have partners, stuff? yeah. Or like, so I'm working. Or, or, you, or you finance. Now. Or you finance it. Yeah, we you... can finance them. I mean, getting if you have a good deal in real estate, finding someone to invest in it and finance it is not hard. Yeah. Um, there's just too much. Uh, and how do you guys do the percentage value then? If you were to like have an investor, and it's based on every deal, or it's like based on like you have like a model structure already. Like, listen, you do this, you get this much return on your money. If we sell it, or our goal is not to sell it, we're gonna hold on to it. So every month, like, so how does it work out for an investor? To be? Uh, depends. Every deal is different. Every deal is different. Yeah, every you, investor wants something different. They might just want to be the bank on it. They might want an equity position in it. So everything is based on the deal. Yeah, based on the deal. Based on the deal. I like that, dude. So, yeah, anything else you want to add before we let you go? Like, stuff that you think is good for the market? Where do you think Chicago is going to be this summer or this fall? And how do you see the market moving? Like, overall, what's your two cents on it? I mean, I think the market's pretty good right now. I think it's moving. I think everything that is moving ready is selling quick. Yeah. It's just that stuff that needs work is taking a little bit longer to sell. And what's the price point for movement ready that you think is moving? Because you can't go too luxury because luxury is still struggling a little. Yeah, I mean, I deal mostly in like $800,000 less condos and stuff like that. Okay. Houses. Um, the past two houses we built in Lakeview, we sold them in pre-market. One, <sighs> one had drywall up. How it's, did you do that? Like, was it recently? Uh, yeah, this was last summer. Okay. So. I had three units that came up. And they were brand new, and we started selling it around October, and we were struggling. Really? I know, because we were struggling because of the price point was on the high side, a little bit higher, but the comps were justifiable based on the fact that we were the only new construction bad boy on Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Number two, there were flaws in the building when it comes to no garage parking. Anybody mm-hmm. that wants to buy a brand new construction is going to want that, or just stuff, but Eventually, the goal now is to rent them out. I think they're going to either sit on it or I'm going to just sell the building. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of... You see a lot of multifamily, like, condo buildings that someone either... Well, they're intended to sell them all as condos or they maybe just listed the whole building and sold it as one package deal. Yeah, a big package deal for somebody who lives either in New York or L.A., has money, wants just income, just doesn't want to put any work in it, is willing to pay a little bit of premium... But if you're getting a 6 or 7% cap rate in a good neighborhood right now, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Depending on what you want, what your overhead's going to be in maintenance-wise. But other than that, that's the goal in the future is going to be and just represent developers for something big. Because I feel like every single big developer started off with their one flip. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of like, you got to make friends in between those and help them and bring them value down the road. I love doing big, nice projects that are like million dollars plus. Yeah. But 
at you, the same time, I like doing projects that are like small too. Like, like I buy mean, a house in the South Side for seventy thousand dollars, put thirty thousand dollars into it, sell it for what do you, whatever, and make you know twenty five grand. What do you think about? Yeah, I mean, in like three months. In like three months, and that's pretty decent. And when you do those projects, you do a ten thirty one exchange right away. No. So you just like you pay capital gains and everything. Well, and, yeah, I mean they're they're all in like. LLC in like our company for sure realm so so automatically that company yeah. will handle I've never done the 1031 exchange got it some people do it a lot but I also I haven't sold any rental buildings so so got it that makes sense one last thing what do you think about Rogers Park near Loyola that neighbor those neighborhoods for investment I like it man again like three years ago I was looking at a 23 unit building up there like Juneway Terrace or something like that. I don't know if that's even that. Near Loyola? Yeah, north of there. A little bit north, yeah. yeah. And how much was that? It was that? like a million bucks. And what? now those buildings are like $5 million. What? Yeah. So do you, do you, do you regret not getting it? Or um, do you regret just the timing? Or you just think it's just been flooded and it's going to go back down? I don't know. The, the or barrier to entry or... to buy those big buildings is really difficult. Why? Because no one ever wants to sell them. But you just said somebody had it for a mill. It, it had to be like a foreclosure or something. Got it. So you have to pay cash. Do you have to pay cash for foreclosures? Or is that a myth? Mm, Most no, of the time. It, you, I mean, it has to be financeable by a bank. Yeah. If you're buying a house, you're not going to be able to get, go to get a like, regular conventional mortgage on it if like there's no kitchen and the bathroom's falling apart. Of course. But as for big buildings like that, you're going to go through a commercial lender. Yeah. But... It's a whole different animal than residential lending. Got it. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go, man. This was a lot of good information that we had, and I definitely would want to bring you back, like, around summer and fall, if, like, the market changes, and hopefully you bought one of those buildings again. I hope so, tell too, us, tell us, <laughs> Tell us those uh, good stories, but appreciate it. Take care. Later.